and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and up top, I just want to say to everyone, thank you so much for listening, and I apologize for the delay in getting part two of Andy's interview to all of you out there. I had a very busy week last week working on a lot of different projects that I will be able to share with all of you in a couple of months, but it took a lot more time than I originally anticipated. So I just want to say to all of you out there, thank you very much for your patience. I really appreciate that. And speaking of appreciation, I want to give a shout out to two people who made PayPal donations to the podcast, Sarah and Amir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to the team here at the Animated Journey podcast. And I want to give a shout out to Amir's comic, The Legend of Novo. You can go and visit that over at thelegendofnovo.com. It's pretty cool. He created that along with illustrators Sage Inarsen. Forgive me if I pronounced your last name incorrectly, Sage, and Shelly Chin. So make sure to check that out if you are a big webcomic fan. And also want to let you guys know about the many events that are happening in Southern California over the next couple of months. First up is the 45th Annual Annie Awards, which will be happening this Saturday, February 3rd at 7 p.m. at UCLA's Royce Hall in Los Angeles. You can check them out over at AnnieAwards.org, and I will make sure to list that in the show notes. Also, I want to give a shout out to The Loud House because our Halloween special Tricked was nominated for an Annie Award this year. And also shout out to Alex Kwan, previous guest on the show, whose storyboard work for Nico and the Sword of Light is also one of the nominees this year. So, so big props to Loud House and Nico and the Sword of Light. Hope we both win. We'll find out on Saturday night. Also, at Gallery Nucleus on Saturday, February 24th, there are two excellent events that will be happening. The first up is there's going to be an Art of Black Panther panel and book signing. And that's going to be again on Saturday, February 24th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. You can check out the Gallery Nucleus website for more information on that. They're also going to have a number of featured guests who worked on the movie, so you'll want to check that out. And then at 7 p.m. at Gallery Nucleus on Saturday, February 24th, they're going to have an art tribute to Disney television animation. So you can go to the Black Panther event, go and have an early dinner or a late lunch, and then come back for the Disney television animation tribute. Just have an entire day hanging out at Gallery Nucleus, looking at the art, buying prints, meeting your artistic heroes. It promises to be an amazing time. And then speaking of amazing times, you can now register to be an exhibitor for the CTN Road Trip, which will be happening in Burbank April 14th through April 15th. That's Saturday and Sunday. The road trip is a lot of fun. It's basically like mini CTNX. It's free to attend and you can walk along the streets of Burbank and check out art created by many amazing and talented artists. And you can buy prints and books and keychains and all manner of things. So if you're interested in going, just show up. If you're interested in being an exhibitor, make sure to check out the website and that's ctnroadtripburbank.com. And then last but not least, 
The third annual Ground Zero Animation Expo will be held June 9th and 10th, that's Saturday and Sunday, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I am very excited to announce that I will be exhibiting there. This is going to be the very first time that I've ever exhibited at a convention, and I am super psyched to be doing so. And I will also be on two different panels more information about that as it becomes available. So I encourage all of you to come out to the Animation Expo and say hello and attend some panels. That's going to be an excellent time. And you can check that out by visiting gzaexpo.com. And of course, it wouldn't be an intro if I didn't mention some of the movies that I have seen recently. I finally watched the Force Awakens, you guys. <laughs> Those of you who know me well know that I don't care about Star Wars. Either way, I'm not for it. I'm not against it. It's there. Glad it's there. But I was intrigued by The Last Jedi and was told by friends that no, you must go and see Force Awakens first before you see The Last Jedi. And also, we're very curious what you think about Last Jedi because apparently it's caused a lot of division among the Star Wars fan community, I guess. I don't even know. So I went and watched The Force Awakens and it was a movie. It was a Star Wars movie. I did like the acting, but I guess spoilers for anyone else out there who hasn't seen it. I thought that perhaps I might be the last person, but it's pretty much like episode four, except I like the acting better. Yeah, so that happened. And then I saw X-Men Apocalypse, again, catching up on movies from a couple of years back. Eh, X-Men Apocalypse, it's, it's okay. I didn't think it was all that great, but I didn't think it was boring. I'm glad that the Phoenix finally showed up. I would have loved to have seen more Psylocke. I would have loved to have seen pretty much more of everybody, but that would require everybody getting their own movie. But who knows? That seems to be the way that everything's going, everybody getting their individual movie. So if that happens, I'm on board for a Psylocke movie. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about these movies, guys. I just thought they were fair. But, you know, it's fun to watch new things. Anyway, enough about Star Wars and movies and such. I am very happy to present Part two of our interview with Andy Nakasone, and part two, Andy talks more about what it's like being a layout artist at Disney and the importance of networking. So without further ado, I present episode 63, Interview with Andy Nakasone, part two. What I like is that you didn't quit, which is what I love about everybody's story. You didn't quit. No, you cannot quit. No, you didn't quit. And you, you also, quit. you kept in contact with people. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when the delay happened for the apprenticeship, you know, you would talk to them, was it every couple of months? Yeah. I think yeah, you, you just have to check in. something you friendly. Checking. That's definitely a point of advice I have. Is, and it's not, I know they say like, okay, a lot of people complain about networking. They complain like, oh, it's not the war. It's, it's just who you know. It's, it's definitely both. You you have to reach out to people. You have to come look at my stuff. What do you see? You know, what can I do better? You have to do that throughout your education, especially in this business, because it is so competitive. It is so big. And it's like one and the same. You have to get good at what you do. You have to learn all the skills that you need to do. 
But then you have to have the courage to, to show people and to connect with people on that level. Like, oh, you know, if they're in the industry and you are acquainted with them, you know, so send them a message when their movie comes out. Congratulate them on their movie. Just stay in touch. If they send you a message about a some, uh, there was a delay in, in their program and internship, you have to, to be appreciative that they're, they're spending, taking the time to email you. And it's just part of that. You have to have the social skills because they, they want to they know you're not crazy. They want to know that you're, <laughs> you're just normal. And that's part of it. I mean, I don't know what other people's experiences are or how they see it, but I just hear that a lot. It's like, oh, I have to network. And I'm like, that's just being a normal person. <laughs> just, just be social. Just be kind. That's probably a big lesson that I had that I learned was it's such a small industry, this whole thing. And the way you treat people matters. The way you're treated matters. And I know there's a lot of people that are coming out of school that are often taken advantage of. And companies will either underpay or they'll take advantage of these students that are just trying to break into the industry. And it takes them a little while to figure out what their value is, what's being asked of them. And which is hard. It's difficult to say no to your first job in a 3D environment, just because it is it's so hard to find these opportunities in the first place. But it takes a little bit of time to really know, okay, something might be wrong here. Something couldn't be done better or these people shouldn't be belittling your, you or your work. There's so much that an artist does that is above and beyond what they need to do. What is it like, you know, coming in on weekends or being, you know, not paid overtime. And that's not the best way. You have to know what your value is. You have to know when you're good enough. I can go here and my value will be respected at this place or doing this work as opposed to being over here. And that's the challenge is when you have that first job is to know when is the time to jump to that next one. You have to keep building. You don't want to be stagnant. You want to keep learning. You want to keep developing your skill set. And that's one of the reasons why I had moved was because I wanted to get back into Maya. I wanted to get back in animation and develop that, which is really great because Previs has become such a huge phenomenon right now in this industry. Almost every movie these days is Previs. And what Previs is, is kind of the rough of a movie. It's it's rougher animation, rougher effects, and shot work. But the benefit of Previs is you get to basically choreograph the cinematography for these big shows, these big action sequences in these movies. And that's so that they can learn what the shot is for their movies. They can help tell their story. And that's why these visual effects have gotten so expensive that these Previs studios are there to make that burden lighter on the VFX houses so they don't have to keep redoing their shot work to please whatever director changes or whatever the filmmaker wants to do. So going to previous helped a lot as far as developing my skill set in Maya and developing everything that I could do as far as coming back to visual effects work, like doing early temp visual effects work. It's become its own industry. And that's not something to overlook for somebody that loves both animation and cinematography. Previs is a great place to work and it's a lot of fun and you get to have your hand in a lot of different pies as far as art and the way a scene plays out. And it's, it's great. And I definitely loved the stuff that I got to work on when I was doing Previs. Very cool. Including Jamal. Jumanji. Jumanji, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Which other I didn't, things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jumanji was the, the first
first one, then it was I don't know if I could say. But okay, it'll come the other out things later. when they come the out. Thing, when they come we'll, out, we'll, we'll yeah. say we'll say when they come out. <laughs> so let's now talk about working at Disney and what that entails. So you started off as an apprentice, correct? Is that the terminology? So uh, so you start off as like a trainee. You start off as trainee. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically role set by the guild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the first few months, you are a trainee, and they teach you the software. They teach you their tool set and what they like and their visual aesthetic, and and then you become an apprentice. Okay. So I was an apprentice for the rest of the year for nine months, and then after that first year, you become an assistant. So the, it's kind of an extended apprenticeship because of the recent route team delay. It was supposed to come out in March, but then they pushed it to November. So got extended till next year to finish up the movie. Yeah, so it's been awesome. It's been great. It's just kind of surreal <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> It's definitely a fun place to be. It's definitely still hard work and it's challenging in the sense that what I was doing in, at previous studios is just so much more detailed. Everything is so much more precise. Everything has to have this new level of quality and every little twitch or move of a camera is planned and there's a reason for it. And, and you have to know what that reason is. You have to, to know there's these underlying themes in cinematography that come from live action and they come from editing, but they try and translate into animated films and they try and make it feel like somebody is behind that camera and moving that camera and it's moving in this way because of this plot point or the character does this. And there's so much thought to everything in layout and animation is far more than what people might think. And how many times have you been to Disneyland since you started no, working well. there? Oh, uh, I don't know. Have <laughs> you had time? time? <laughs> oh, no, I know you've had time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, I would say at least... At least once a month. Definitely a fun place to be. One of the perks, but what makes Disney Disney in my head is it's not perks like that. It's not even the films we make. It's the people that you get to work with. That's the huge benefit of working in a place like this is these people are awesome. They're so good at what they do and you learn so much so fast and they are so fun to work with. And this is coming back to what's so important about this industry is just the way people are treated and the way an artist is valued. And they do that so well at Disney. There is so much respect given to an artist and what their ideas are what they can create and that's what makes Disney Disney is those people and being able to just talk to them and learn from them and that's so awesome to me that's the, that's definitely the highlight so just learn so much <laughs> I'm curious, was it intimidating at all? Oh, very. Sorry. Oh, okay. of course. Yeah, so intimidating. I'm still intimidated, you know? It's like, the interesting thing is, is everybody's so down to earth that I remember the first day, I spent maybe 15 minutes talking to one of the senior guys there that was teaching us something, and just the most pleasant lesson ever. It was so awesome. We were just chatting. And I didn't know he was like the DP for Moana. <laughs> His name is Rob Dressel. So awesome. One of, our, one of our big mentors. And it's just so cool. It's just, they don't there's no it always seems like you're on a level of status like there's nobody that oh I'm the director don't you know you can kind of feel a little weird or somebody that you've looked up to for so long and when you're there they're just people and they're there to help you become a better artist and that's what's so cool about this program is when they pick people for these programs for these internships and these apprentices they're not looking for people that are of the same quality as their artists because they are so good they are amazing these are some of the best animators and the best cinematographers they are artists in the world and artists in general but what they're looking for is the potential they're looking at what are your ideas and this is the thing that I would maybe recommend is having these interesting 
interesting ideas that set you apart. And they, they can see that and then, oh, this person can maybe become a Disney artist. And that's the thing too, is when you get there, you learn so much. That's why these people are so good. It's because everybody teaches everybody what they know and they grow so fast. They get so much better from being there. But that's where, to bring it back to what I was working on in my thesis, back when I changed it, that shot that I worked on obsessively in, in grad school, I start my reel with that shot. That is my personal shot. And then it comes, then it goes to my work that I did for the game studio. And partly because I look at that project, that scene as my own personal love. Like that's, that's me. Do you and think that might've been what got you the, the it, shot? It, it, what they ended up saying was like, okay, so one of the things that is difficult when they look at a game reel is mm-hmm. games sometimes use a lot of mocap. And that was one of the questions. Like, okay, what's mocap? What isn't? What did he have control over? What isn't? And, and it's important to make that distinction in your reel somewhere or below it, like in a document or some sort. But what exactly did you do in your reel? What were your responsibilities were? The reason that I put my animation in the beginning and, and at the end was so that I could tell them I know how to animate. I can animate, but I can also do cinematics. So I put them both together and the animation was good and different enough that they saw and they go, oh, you can do both. Because that is the requirement these days in the layout department is they want people that are really good cinematographers that really have an eye for camera movement and composition. But they want to know that your animation abilities are pretty solid too because layout is, it's always getting better. It's moving towards previs and previs is getting to the point where it's almost shot for shot what mm-hmm. you see in the final effects images. The same cameras, it's almost the same timing of actors and the better you are with animation and layout, the more detailed you can get with your camera movements, the more precise you can be with your cameras. So I think that's a very strong skill to have. And you certainly don't have to be as good as animation apprentices, but in the previous, you're pretty much a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. You're an animator, you're a cinematographer, you're uh, an early like effects artist because sometimes you have to put these effects in for timing. Sometimes you're asked to light. What's so cool about that industry is you get to build all these skills. You get to learn all these tricks in Maya and you can use that to your advantage when it comes time to do your own films or your own shots and your own stories. And that's something that I developed when I was working in previous right before starting at Disney. You mentioned how much more you've learned since you've been at Disney and just the wealth of information and how generous people have been. What are some of the things that you feel like you've just really improved on since you've been there? Oh, wow. I'd say just the sense of cinematic timing and just the finer points of what we do as far as in the course of a story characters are take Moana for example in the course of the story the characters are moving from left to right like when Moana is going towards her goal and something happens and stops her from her from reaching her goal and she goes backward and then it goes from right to left there's this whole idea of it's very subtle it's like there's this cinematic language and this these cinematic philosophies that underpin each of our movies and this is the reason why we're shooting it this way like when Another example would be in Zootopia when they're in the tundra town and it's all snowy and it's cold. The camera's pretty locked to emphasize the, you know, it's a colder environment, so you're a little more frozen. So there's these little details that you don't really think about until somebody points it out to you and like, okay, this is the reason that we're, we want to emphasize these cinematic philosophies. I mean, everything gets better. Your timing, your cinematography, your compositions get so much better. The editing that we do, even though we don't have final control over edits, it's very, it's, it's still pretty close. There's so much focus on the smallest thing and the reason why some small adjustments need to happen. And think about when you're working on bulk shots and previews, how well things cut together is a huge thing to learn. 
where your eye looks across a cut is extremely important. Something that we pay a lot of attention to, making sure eye directions and eye lines are accurate and lead the audience across cuts and makes them feel more a part of the movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's so much, so many other things that we learn too, just through story and animation tricks. We learn what are some good ideas and one of the things that they love to do, they try to emphasize is even though we get the boards and we try and translate the boards into layout, department heads, they love to see our own ideas. We always want to build on what the other department does. We're always trying to make it better and better. And a lot of times, I mean, like combining shots. Maybe the boards get it wrong and we have to switch sides or lots of things that we have to fix from the storyboards. But there's a lot of things too that the storyboards get right and we want to, we want to try and translate that, but we also want to heighten the idea that they're presenting and then try and use the camera in a storytelling way that really supports the underlying story. We're not just a stepping stone. We're not just translate the boards as you see it one-to-one. Like there's definitely times where they get it right they you want it to be very accurate we have that flexibility to experiment and is this the best option you really try and find that that best option and that's what's so fun that's the creative power of layout is you get to have more of a scene to play with whereas animation you might just get 15 to 20 shots in a movie in layout you can get hundreds of shots you can get entire sequences that you're responsible for that camera you're responsible for how well that cuts together that scene plays out it's a lot of artistic value that's why i love it so much is because it's that perfect combination of cinematography and traditional filmmaking and, and animation that I, I just i love do you have a favorite director or movies you watch for inspiration for your compositions or your shots? Or it depends on the shot. It depends on the movies. It depends on just the story. I definitely have directors that I admire. <laughs> this is going to sound completely opposite of Disney, but I love Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I love okay. the style that he has in his films. It's like you can look at just the cinematography of his movies and you know it's him. And that's the kind of thing that is a little different in animation is animation, you, you try and the camera has to be predictable in the sense that you don't really want to draw attention to it in a way that takes away from the movie. It's about that story. It's about it's about something other than the filmmaker's vision as far as it's like a tour vision. It's not, we don't really make those type of movies. But a filmmaker like Tarantino or even Miyazaki, they have very distinct styles that are very close to to what they personally value and what, what they want. And you can tell their movies based off their cinematography. And it's something that I admire. And it's something that on a personal level, that's just what I like. But as far as things that I pull from and that I, that maybe I pull from for what I do for Disney is, it varies. I'd say How to Train Your Dragon is an animated film that I admire a lot for its cinematography. I think the thing that I look for for a good shot or a good sequence is how does it make me feel? How does that camera move make me feel? How does that cut? Other than the animation, other than what is said just looking at it what do I feel from that and that's where I'm developing and that's what I'm learning is how you give the right camera move that elicits the right emotion for that scene and the reason I bring up Pat Train Dragon is that cinematography really you feel it in the sense that those are the perfect cameras to feel that emotion of flying or feel that that heartfelt moment where they meet for the first time and the way it's cut together and you know he's like stepping through the drawing and stuff that's so cool to me like, that's one of my big favorites but I pull from everything I watch a movie and I just yeah I try and absorb all day. It doesn't even have to be cinematography. It could just be story or character. Yeah. So are you working on any personal projects? Do you have anything currently behind the scenes? (laughs) I don't really have time anymore. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of stuff that I want to do. 
for sure. I have stuff that's probably on the back burner for at least a little bit longer. The thing with 3D projects is they just take so much time to come to fruition, and I still have plans to finish up my thesis that I had started like five years ago. <laughs> so I don't whether that's going to happen or not, I, I have no idea. But it's also just, I want to be open to whatever inspires me to work on at the time, and that could change any day. I get ideas randomly sometimes, and I just like, I just have to work on it for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, and I like being open to that. In what downtime I do have, I try and do little exercises, whether they're animations or camera moves or things that I think might be cool. I'll try and make a small short film or just one shot in my eyes. Try and do that and see how far I can take it. Yeah, nothing on the same level as what I'm working on during the workday. So. One of the things I'm getting from your story mm. is just how much you've had to pivot, how much you've had to change. You aren't just on one oh, path. Yeah. You're willing to change location, change your thesis, your education, yeah. all these things. You have to be, yeah, yeah. And it's... you're talking about your instinct and trusting your instinct. How do you develop that where you aren't afraid to change, where you can just trust in your instinct? How do you cultivate that? Wow. Can I say I don't know? <laughs> sure. No. Yeah. I, 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 Maybe it's just instinctual. <laughs> yeah. You just know what you know. It's just in your nature. I think in this business, in art and in animation, you have to love and understand the whole concept of movies and storytelling. If you get it from books, you get it from comic books, you have to develop what is a good idea? What is a good story? What are my favorite stories? Why are they my favorite stories? And how do they make me feel? And it's all of that. It's all of those stories, all those things that I've kind of absorbed that I loved growing up and the movies that I love now it kind of just developed the sense that I like this moment in a movie and I want to feel that in what I'm working on. How do I do that? And that was part of why I changed my thesis was I came up with something that really made me feel something that I felt in movies before and I was like, oh, I think that's how I make my decisions. I was like, it's emotional. It's it's something that's yeah. that you have to feel and something that I have to speak to you and I feel like I just attack it. I don't try to... If you think about it too much, <laughs> it won't make sense. It'll, you'll, you'll, you could easily talk yourself out of it. Like, I'm going to redo my thesis six months before right that's probably not if you're trying to think about that it probably won't make sense but you have to it's a calculation but you it's said if crazy. you aren't feeling it then you aren't going to pursue it really is an emotional thing for you. it is a very emotional thing that's why i'm in this business is because it is the most emotional thing that i've ever done that i've ever tried to do and yeah it's hard because i have so many things that i love to do for sure i love i still love documentaries i still love film in general but i know what i'm good at i know what i like and when those meet then that's very powerful like when I see something that, oh, I think I can do that. And, and if it's a story that really speaks to me, like I will go for it every time. Well, it's a hard thing for people to do, especially mm -hmm. if you've been on a track for so long. The idea of getting off that track to do something else. Yeah. Oftentimes, all you can think about is, but I put so much time into this. Or I put so much money into this. Or I put so much work into this. And a lot of times people, I know I've felt this way and other people I've talked to have felt this way where you almost feel like it was for not if yeah. you change. Right. But that's not the case. You can still bring that experience with well, you. It's, it's like that saying, you know, don't leave a mistake just because you spend a lot of time making it. You kind of have to have that courage. To, mm -hmm. Something's not working out. Because I made those mistakes. You know, I spent three years working on the wrong thesis project. Band, I should have switched earlier, but I didn't have that inspiration at the time. But I also just maybe didn't have that right amount of courage at the time, too. It's hard. This business is so difficult for so many people. And I think if I had any kind of advice to people that are in this industry, is no matter what, no matter who you do it for, you have to love that art. You have to love your profession. You have to love doing it by yourself. I love animating. I love 
moving cameras around on my own projects. It doesn't matter who I'm doing it for. I've always loved the work itself. And that's what you need to find. It shouldn't be important who you're doing it for. Because that is always going to be a gamble in the sense that there's only so many positions in some of these studios. And I'm not trying to say don't try for these positions. But in order to be happy in this field, you have to love that profession no matter what. And I was happy even before coming to Disney. I loved working in previous. I loved doing the camera works. I love just animating. Just I love doing cinematics at the game studio. That was the part that I liked to do. It was the politics and the trouble around it that was difficult. But the actual job itself, I love and will love no matter where I'm at. And whether that's illustration or drawing or animation, that's what everybody needs to know is if you're not having fun with it, if you're just trying to learn it and do it just so you could get to this place or just to have a shot at this, like that's not thing that I would recommend. It's hard because I know there's so many people that have that dream and it's always awesome to go for it and be the best artist that you can be. Just know that even if you are there, if you're at the best studio in the world and you've always wanted to be there, but you're doing something that you don't like, then it's not going to work out. Everybody there loves to death what they're doing. And there's so many people that can do it other places that are just as happy. And there's so many other opportunities everywhere. And it's just, it's easy to get tunnel vision. It's easy to be like, okay, I'm going just for this, just for that. And then you get sad when it doesn't work out. Like I, I was sad several times, but it always just came back. I didn't fall very far. I still love doing the work. And that's always what it boils down to is I will love what I'm doing at Disney and I will love what I'm doing outside of Disney. That's all I can say. And that's fantastic. But if you could go back in time, so I always love to ask people this. <laughs> You're little Landy. You oh, go no. back in time, talk to childhood self. You just gave a brilliant piece of advice just now. Would you say you think something similar to younger you? Or would it be a little bit different? I don't know what that answer should be. Because that's such an important part of just life. You don't know what's going to happen. That's what makes it interesting. I didn't know. I was. I grew up watching these movies. You know, I'd be lying if I said that, oh, I always wanted to be a Disney animator. I didn't. Because like I, like I said, I wasn't that kind of kid that drew a lot in school. I remember, if anything, I was always a color. I had the coloring books. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would color all the pages in the book. But if I got out of the line on one picture, I would want to throw the whole coloring book away. Oh, no. <laughs> the whole I would want to throw the whole because because it was perfect. I always had that kind of sense of I definitely wanted to make something and I wanted to make it look awesome. But as far as consolidating that with a job at Disney or in animation in general, that didn't come until later. That, that didn't come until a couple inspirations later. And it, it's just something that I look back on now and I'm like, oh, that was a love for that that I didn't really recognize at the time. But if you try and change that, I don't know if things would happen the same way. Like if you just said, oh, just go for it from the start, it could work. That means maybe you could have gone to where I'm at sooner or later, but you just don't know. And I think the only advice I have is anybody like this but like living in the moment and enjoying learning in this awesome field and if you're studying cinematography studying animation learn as much as you can learn outside of your field because there's so many people that come into this business and they're like oh I just want to do animation and then they're like me and they're like oh actually I think I want to do layout and that happens so often and you gotta listen to that and that's part of the journey and I think that's just as important as just knowing right off the bat you know, that's, that's where the best stories come from. If I just came here today and was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to be a layout artist from day one, you know, and got there. That's not interesting. That's not fun. That's <laughs> like, not, and then that's hooray. Like, <laughs> and then hooray. This is a, a one-minute podcast. Uh, 
So I had my vision. Yeah. This was my vision. I completed my vision. And, and that's Done. the thing too. Is that it happens to people too. Yeah. And you're like, how did you know? Yeah. Where can people find you online? Not online. Oh, you're just like, no, wow. I'm busy. You're one of those people. <laughs> you have a life. I, I acted I out my demo reel. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. You can't be found. I, no, I mean, I, I have the... Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Like, if people ever need... Because I, I had such a hard time figuring out what layout was and learning about it. If anybody has any interest in that field and loves cinematography or what it took to break into previs, feel free to reach out on my LinkedIn or my email. You can share my email. I'd love to help anybody out. Well, Andy, thank you very much. It has been well, thank you. an absolute pleasure talking with you today. And as customary, when we have everyone here, everybody, make sure to check out Andy's LinkedIn page. And we'll put your email, which I think you're the first guest who's ever said, yeah, go ahead and email me directly. So that's really cool. So make sure to send him very nice professional emails about layout and cinematography. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review in iTunes. That helps more people to find out about us. Thank you to everyone who has left a review. We really appreciate it. It means the world. Thank you to everyone who's been sending emails too. I've gotten a couple new emails this past couple of weeks from people. So shout out to all of you. You guys, you made my day. So thank you so much. Glad that you're getting a lot out of the podcast. That means a lot. You can also support us by visiting the PayPal page. If you go to theanimatedjourney.com and click on PayPal, you can leave a donation. All of your donations go directly to technical costs of support the podcast. Thank you to everybody who's left a donation and make sure to support our sponsors, Loot Crate, Amazon, Audible, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. You guys know the drill. When you click on the links and make a purchase, they shoot back a little bit of money back to the show and that helps out a lot. You can find out more about the show and what's going on in animation by visiting the Facebook and Tumblr page. Just look for The Animated Journey and on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at AnimJourney. And you can find me online by going to my website, SketchySoul.com. Also, sketchysoul.tumblr.com and on Instagram and Twitter it's at sketchysoul. And Jeff, where can people find you? They can find me at jeffbot.com and on Twitter at jeffbot, J-E-F-B-O-T and on Instagram at shootsy, S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E. Excellent. And as always, you guys, thank you so much for listening. All of you are fantastic human beings and really excited about 2018 and all that has to offer. So until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.